Welcome to the SAMA Podcast, where we talk to the most experienced people in B2B to find answers to one simple question. How can you become and remain essential to your strategic customers? Tune in as our guests reveal what it takes to become the supplier they cannot afford to lose. Learn how to level up your account management strategies to promptly deliver speed, convenience, and success to each customer. Let's jump into the discussion right now with Denise Fryer and Harvey Dunham. Hello, I'm Denise Fryer, CEO of SAMA, and delighted to host today's podcast. One of the most challenging parts of being a strong strategic account manager is knowing your customer and knowing how to add value. This ranges from discovering all you can about their business to managing the account through the journey of a long-time relationship. So today, I am so pleased to have an expert in this joining us. David Irwin, CEO of Polaris IO, has a plethora of experience and tools and processes to address this exact challenge. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. As we begin today, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey into founding Polaris IO? Absolutely. Thanks so much, Denise. Delighted to be here and great to join you today. My journey to Polaris is really one that started a long time ago. Having worked in MarTech and AdTech businesses most of my career in a lot of different roles, the common thread is I've always been responsible for revenue growth. And from that vantage point, I have been in charge of a lot of different revenue portfolios that always included key accounts. And I became fascinated a long time ago with what I call this 80-20 rule or phenomenon of key accounts where every place I've ever worked, a few large-scale clients drove the majority of revenue and profit. And it was actually more extreme than that. A lot of times it's really more of a 90-10 effect. And even within that 10%, there's a 90-10 effect. And so as I studied this phenomenon, I was always curious about the following things. How did these accounts get so big in the first place? What makes them different? And why can't other accounts become this large under some systematic way of growing them? What is the reason behind the growth? What is this phenomenon that's going on? And how does this happen? And what I found out in sort of examining this over really, I would say, a 20-year period is that most people really don't know or have a simple answer to this. There's some storied history, but it was almost like an outcome that happened as a result of a series of events that wasn't necessarily by design, but in a lot of cases, it's hard for people to explain why. And so I experienced this myself, actually, running teams. I've had enough time to have some real outlier teams. One example, I had a team, a, a single account team drive, really what I would say five times more growth on one account than an entire sales team drove on over 100 accounts. And I realized, you know, by observing that and watching that, what is it that makes this phenomenon happen? Why is it that a, an outlier account team can drive so much growth that way? And I realized, you know, a lot of it had to do with this deep understanding about the client's environment, about their business, about the roles of those organizations. And I don't mean just the account, but I mean the industry, the entire setting in which they operate. So it dawned on me that expecting all key account teams to be able to operate, to perform like that, just sort of automatically with the, having that expectation is really not realistic and it's not plausible. And so that's what drove me to really delve into how do I scale 
this performance? How do you make this phenomenon come to life across all the key account teams? And there's one critical key observation that I hold true to this day. And I use a lot of stats to prove this out, but key accounts are really markets in and of themselves. I call it the economy of key accounts, but I'll point out, you know, the global 2000 drives 50% of the world's GDP. Another really interesting fact I find fascinating is that just 591 companies in the U.S. drive 70% of the economic output of this country out of 11 million businesses. There is just huge growth inside these organizations, these massive global organizations, far beyond what most account teams realize, given how many businesses they own, how global they are, the amount of M&A they do. And we're using today PowerPoint, Excel, and email as our tools to manage this kind of growth. It's just a total mismatch. And manual research in today's environment really doesn't cut it. So I started thinking about automating what I knew having been in this job. What can I do to make this easier, less cumbersome? And that's really what led me to build Polaris, which is really focused on automation and creating an environment that benefits key account managers and their teams. And I would say that that is critical and even more acute today, given our economic climate and digital and supply chain disruptions. You know, I think customer priorities are changing faster than account teams can keep up with them. And so we really just need to help instrument execution, better execution capabilities. And that's been my journey leading up to this point for literally a couple of decades. It's so true what you said, that looking at these key accounts is a market. We oftentimes call it a market of one, but you have to do all the things around that market of one to make it happen. And yet, one of my perspectives from learning from our SAMA members is that companies don't really focus on knowing their customer well enough, discovery as we call it, really getting into what are those top priority requirements for that particular customer. There's not really a defined or repeatable process, at least that we found out there, requires a lot of hours to do it right. So I'd love to hear more about your experience here and maybe some ways that teams can move through that process. Yeah, great question. I totally agree. You know, I think a lot of it is account management and sales and marketing are kind of conflated with each other. And, you know, sales and marketing has always been focused on a buyer journey of non-demand. This is something I talk about a lot, but it's the highly instrumented area that is of a business that's looking for intent to purchase and creating leads to acquire new customers. And, and many, many people and teams are involved in this, all to help sales develop sales-driven pipelines. And I think this approach is sort of carried over and applied to key account management, which really has a fundamentally different buyer journey. Coming back to the sales and marketing side, you know, there's a lot of talk about these repeat purchases, this sort of known demand side of the business going online, going digital, more routine, smaller deal sizes. So everybody's got that problem on the one side. But when it comes to key accounts, there is really a fundamentally different buyer journey that I call a buyer journey of co-creation. And this buyer journey is one where there's a whole hidden pipeline of customer problems, initiatives, needs, strategies, objectives that's out there. And it is expressed constantly by these large global enterprises. And the problem is, is that the way that companies are mostly instrumented today, coming from that buyer journey of known demand, a sales-driven pipeline, 
is that it it's really about products and product statements and features and functions being pitched to customers. And we know that that doesn't work. Even over the last 10 years, it's held very consistent, this research we've done and participated in. Only 11% of sales conversations are considered valuable by executive buyers. And so when it comes to key account management and cross-selling and upselling or expand selling, commercial teams that are able to embrace problem solving with curiosity, empathy, and investigating key needs of these buyers, understanding the requirements. And I would say, Denise, not just the requirements from a technical side within that particular solution, but I mean requirements in the context of the long-term and that company being able to have a solution that's going to perform over time in the context of the industry challenges and changes that affect them is also part of the requirements. Co-creating the solutions with customers is key. And I like to call this customer-driven pipeline an invisible pipeline because most companies that we work with can't see it because they don't have the tools to see it and therefore they can't take action against it. It's a customer-driven pipeline of problems and needs and mapping capabilities to solve and address those needs with the right value propositions is something that really is a pathway forward. There is a lot of needs and problems out there. So in summary, I would say working backwards from the customer, understanding their needs, translating that into requirements you can help them address, blending and co-creating with them collaboratively and doing this over and over again through an, an iterative approach where the team is constantly engaging and iterating with the customer really works. I've seen it work. Clients respond extremely positively when they believe that a company with authenticity and sincerely wants to address their problems uh, with what they need. And that's how you build repeatable growth, where you don't really want to deal with other vendors. They'll just come back to the well over and over and over again. And we've seen that a lot of times where the repeat purchases on large-scale key account growth opportunities is really high. You know, the close rates is very high when a company really has a strong relationship established as a strategic partner and vendor to a key account. So that's a pathway forward that I would recommend. That's part of, it's really how do you enable that though? A lot of people embrace this and know this. We know that some teams are great at it, that the those relationships get established, but how do you make that repeatable systematically? And that's really what Polaris strives to do is help on the execution side of that. You know, it makes sense. But first of all, that is not a lot of relevant conversations that people are having. So that is certainly a challenge for us all. I love the thought and the term, the invisible pipeline really trying to figure out what that might be. But with so much chaos and disruption going on right now, I got to believe this is a nearly impossible task. Our members, I'm sure, are feeling overwhelmed, not being able to do all that is needed. What are some of the challenges you're seeing out there around this? Well, I think the current state is really pretty remarkable in terms of how common it is across organizations to have what I would say four common and primary challenges. And, and I'll start with the first one being information overload. So this isn't some a new concept, but this results from too many sources of information and too much information overall. And if you think about it, when you're dealing with a global key account 
and that's who you're servicing. The amount of financial information, investor presentations, SEC filings, conference calls, announcements, press releases, news, interviews, competitive news, events like mergers and acquisitions, industry news, legislation, and then imagine all of that across all the subsidiaries on a global basis. The ability of humans to mine that information for opportunities, synthesize it, prioritize it by hand, and then coordinate plays against it in some coordinated way sounds pretty overwhelming, doesn't it? So that is the information overload problem that exists today. And basically, what we see is account teams are literally doing this manually. They're looking up research online. They're attending investor calls. They're trying to find this information through Google searches and looking up reports and reading magazines and news feeds, but there is no automation around it whatsoever. So that's the first problem. That leads to the second problem, which we've talked about, which is a relevant sales conversation. So if you don't have the information that's critical that you need to know in the situational context of problems that people are dealing with, then it's very difficult to be relevant And it's really almost a matter of luck of being in the right time at the right place because it's a moving target. You know, people's situation in a business is changing and it leads to poor pipelines and it leads to irrelevant opportunities that are actually captured in the CRM, but are something the customer never really was connecting themselves to because things had changed. So Those two kind of go together, information overload and irrelevant sales conversations. And if you think of the cost of of irrelevancy, I mean, it's high because there's a lot of meetings happening. And if those aren't relevant meetings, if only 10% of those meetings are relevant, there's a huge cost associated with all of that time spent that's not leading to real results and real pipeline that can be mined. You know, the next problem we see is fragmentation. You know, companies are extremely siloed. They have many people involved on these accounts from different departments. Those departments aren't, no one is really taught or educated how to be a team. I don't think account teams have exposure to training about how to be a team in the first place. They're just assigned to a team. And then you're on a team and some teams have great chemistry and some teams may not have great chemistry, but they all have to deal with the fragmentation of belonging, you know, being members of different departments with different goals and objectives. That leads to just a myriad of of problems when it comes to the lack of centralized access to information. People are working with different facts. There's artifacts all over the place. They're spread across people's emails and hard drives. And so fragmentation becomes a real issue. And it's reflected, I think, in most people's situations where a critical person leaves a key account, Denise, as you know, somebody has to go through thousands of emails looking for a common thread to different deals. Why do they have to do that? Because there's no centralized place where all the the fragmentation has been resolved. And finally, I would say being digitally disconnected. We live in a digital world from a consumer perspective. We all shop on Amazon. We all are able to interface digitally on devices but yet our key account relationships are very much done through email. They're managed through phone calls. I like to say, you know, Zoom is not a digital engagement strategy. It facilitates an online meeting, but, you know, there needs to be a digital experience brought to key account teams that is more modernized, that is more contemporary and in line with sort of the experiences people have as consumers 
So I think those four things, information overload, irrelevant sales conversations, fragmentation, and being digitally disconnected are four real challenges that companies need to address. So Dave, you have convinced me that this is very hard. (laughs) I agree. These challenges exist. And I think that you have probably just described life for many (laughs) of our strategic account managers out there listening. So we get it. It's not easy. If a company decides to dig in and really try to help their salespeople, their account managers do this, I mean, how do they do it and what's the payoff? You know, what really are the outcomes they might be able to expect to receive if they invest? Well, I think that's a great question. If you can address these things, there's just really a big payoff. And I'd like to talk about it in the context of first business results and then people results. From a business results perspective, I mentioned this invisible pipeline. So one big benefit of solving this problem, tapping into this customer-driven pipeline of continuously expressed needs, objectives, priorities, changes, new challenges, product launches, new territories they're going into. These enterprises are so big, they have so many of these things going on. One massive immediate benefit is a big pipeline increase. And this is very common, Denise, but we see you know key accounts often have maybe four or five prospect opportunities in the pipeline on top of the existing business that they have. So there might be a handful of growth opportunities. This invisible pipeline, this customer-driven pipeline is hundreds of opportunities, literally hundreds of opportunities that are out there spanning subsidiaries, spanning global regions of all shapes and sizes. And so the amount of pipeline is a big payoff because it's one of those common things where it gives you more things to work on with the customer to drive drive growth. The second business value is, I'd say, the quality of the pipeline. You know, when you have a pipeline that's relevant to buyers' needs, it's automatically going to be more valuable in that sense. But you also get into things like the deal size of these pipelines. You know, we like to talk a lot about outcomes and desired outcomes of these key accounts, but key accounts operate at many different levels of outcomes. If you're at the most senior level, the C-suite's looking for outcomes that are in the billion-dollar impact area. You know, they're looking for entire new business launches and and products and things that make massive differences in their overall business strategy. Merger and acquisitions kinds of decisions fall into this. Well, as you move down and waterfall throughout the organization, you have people trying to do business process optimization across regions. You've got different sort of aggregate purchase outcomes that are trying to be achieved all the way down to sort of point purchases. But it is all over the board. And when you understand the scale and scope of this bigger pipeline, you can begin to pick your spots with precision. Do you want to drive bigger expansion? Are you trying to yield bigger deal sizes? Are you trying to get more penetrated in a particular area of the organization? These are things you can begin to see and control. And so I think the quality of the pipeline manifests itself in a lot of different ways because it's not only bigger, but there's a lot different types of variety of opportunities in there. Another business benefit is what I call a moat, a moat strategy, which is once you are in as a strategic partner and you can easily work in a more frictionless way, at least from the perspective of the key account, it's just easier for them to do business with you. And so they're going to come back to you 
more and more frequently in a commercial exchange because it's easier. And that helps with retention. It prevents competitive influence. It is a very powerful mechanism and a very powerful business benefit because it's going to lock you in to more areas, diversify the portfolio of revenue that you have and keep competitors out because you're easier to work with. And it's just, they don't have to educate another entity with regard to what they need to do. And all of this drives revenue more efficiently. So if you add up all those things and you have more pipeline, better quality pipeline, there's an old adage, you know, it's 10 times less expensive to keep a customer than acquire a new one. I think it's also 10 times more likely to win a deal on an existing account than to have to win a deal on a new prospect. And I think those go hand in hand. And that's what leads to sort of the fifth benefit. It's it's just more efficient. You're going to be more efficient having a team be very adept at mining these large-scale key accounts for growth where they know where to go. They know how the executive buyers make buying decisions. They know how they do that at different outcome levels within the organization. And they can rinse and repeat that constantly. That's a very efficient growth model. You know, it sounds very much like great benefit if a company could invest and really help their SAMs. What about the SAMs themselves, right? Are they able to do this? Can they gain efficiencies? What benefits do they see? Well, that exactly. It's another key part of the benefit because I'll tell you, Gartner just came out with a survey where 90%, and this was for salespeople, but salespeople are embedded in account teams, 90% say they're burned out. 90% and 50% are looking to leave. And to the extent that that carries over into account teams, to client success managers, it is a problem. And so why is that? Well, they're obviously feeling overwhelmed. There's a ton of pressure. There's been layoffs. And now, you know, nobody talks about the people that remain. Talk about the people that left, but what about the people that remain? Now they have to do twice as much. And they haven't been upgraded or, or modernized with new tools or help or support. So how is that going to resolve itself? So when you begin to solve this problem, you are going to have a pretty big impact on the people. I like to talk about sort of a threefold productivity gain, but but these productivity gains go to the I would say the happiness of the people working. So first of all, time, right? People are just tapped out on time. So if you can improve through automation available time to do the job, which is to drive growth in concert with key account executives, that's number one. The second is this knowledge issue. This, you know, being relevant is fun. When you're not relevant, it's not fun. And so when you are really in sync with key accounts and the key account executives and have a really good rhythm going with them, it's very, very inspiring, I think, to the people involved. The other is the collaboration. These key account teams have to work together because they're not just responsible for growth opportunities, but they're also responsible for delivery and managing expectations in the long term. And so they have both sides of this equation going. And when you can make collaboration easier, you can solve for time, you can solve for knowledge and collaboration, you're basically going to be driving more relevant sales conversations, more relevant team collaboration, more relevant opportunity creation. And that's gonna be inspiring to the people involved on the teams themselves. They're gonna be more effective, 
They're going to be sharing greater ideas. They're going to be innovating. They're certainly going to be having a much better relationship with the key account executives that they work with and for because they're going to be relevant to solving the issues that those companies have. So I think that the business benefits and the people benefits are really significant and meaningful. And now's the time for companies to address that because we're in a time where there's so much change and there's so much disruption and there's so much anxiety and there's so much burnout that there is just a really huge pickup if you can tap into that invisible pipeline, tap into the productivity gains and drive growth with a different mindset that is connected, you know, better connected to key account needs. I so agree. And I can see these compelling reasons that are out there for people to make this investment and to really dive into how to improve the situation. Are you seeing companies beginning to pivot and to change and to address some of these challenges? Absolutely. It's been interesting. There's sort of the pre-COVID and the post-COVID era. And we sort of, our timing at Polaris was really in bringing this, our capabilities to the market was post-COVID. And there's really sort of a stark distinction. I think when times are good, people keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, no matter how inefficient it is, because it works and they don't want to make changes when things are working even though it may not be optimal. And when I talk about that, I mean I mean commercial efficiency. I'm talking about how much money people spend on sales and marketing to get revenue growth. But post-COVID was really disruptive. It just kept going with the disruption in terms of forcing change. And what, what we've seen is pipelines dry up on sort of that go-to-market side and people starting to lean in on a couple key things. We need to grow our existing accounts Instead of by 10%, by 20, 30, 40%. We need to focus on retention. We need to focus on ensuring that our key account relationships are stronger. We need to start shifting more of the responsibility for growth to our key account managers. Historically, I think Gardner's certainly done a lot of research in this area where there's an expectation that key accounts are just going to grow and we can just throw more growth on them. But there's no change in the enabling capabilities to help the teams make that happen. And then based on our whole discussion today, you can see how complex it would be for our teams to be effective in the first place without modernized tools and and capabilities that help them keep up with it all. So I think there's a huge untapped well of new growth that is definitely there. I think companies are beginning to shift their strategies and assigning, we're seeing this assigning key accounts, bigger growth targets, and less reliance on this concept of acquiring new customers. But it's how are you going to do it? How are you going to enable it? It's this execution piece that is really the key. And we're starting to have companies really lean in and start to say, how do I automate some of this stuff and make that happen? Because we're ready to make some changes to drive growth in a different way. So that's what we're seeing right now in 23 at the beginning of this, we hear comments that the growth assignments are starting to set in right now. You have the big kickoff, it's early February, and now how are we going to get this done? And so it's it's almost, there is a sense of extreme, I wouldn't say panic, but high intensity about addressing this and in the face of layoffs, in the face of reduced teams. So 
it's sort of a double whammy, and I think it's a critical time so that the turnover of these teams, you don't want these teams to turn over. You want to empower them to be successful is really what I would say to senior executives with large key account teams. It certainly is that time of year where it's all coming to play. You see the quotas, you do have some downsizing, and it's now all resting on those key account managers to go figure out how they're going to make it happen. And I think that you summarized it well by saying you need to change the enabling technology in order to have some change happen. We've got to change something out there. And I think that you've outlined that extremely well for us. There are so much more we could address and we're running out of time, but could you give some advice to our listeners here? How can they learn more about addressing these challenges or best practices and what that available technology might be? Great. Appreciate that. On our website, polarisio.com, under resources, we have a lot of information and white papers, webinars around concepts we call go to customer, but this is the concept of working backwards from customer. We have a white paper on the invisible pipeline. We have a white paper on how strategic account teams can be more efficient. We have a lot of different resources out there. So I would encourage listeners to go read those things, engage us, ask to meet with us about seeing um, some of the execution capabilities we can bring to modernize what what teams are currently tasked with and trying to do and just making it simpler and easier. Again, I would reiterate our platform and enabling capabilities is really for the key account team people. That's what it's there to make their lives easier, to make it easier to execute, to make it easier to be relevant, to make it easier to collaborate as a team. So that's really what uh, those are the people that we work for. And it's really the full account team. This isn't for individual people on a team. The, the platform is to support the entire account team's ability to execute well and do it consistently over time. So that's what I would say. Great. Thank you so much, Dave, for sharing those insights with us. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. And to all those listeners out there, we will absolutely make sure that you have access to the links and the information and contact information. You can take a look at our uh, the notes that will come with the podcast. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to us at SAMA or directly to Polaris. And uh, we really hope that you'll take advantage of some of these great insights that Dave shared today. So thank you all for joining us. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope today's wisdom will lead you down the path of experiencing success in your profession. Remember, the key to successful strategic account management is discovering where your customer wants to go and helping them get there. Subscribe to our podcasts at strategicaccounts.org. We hope you'll leave a positive rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If there's something we can do to improve our podcasts, please let us know. That's all for today. See you on the next one.